five, four, three, three two, two, one. Ladies and gentlemen, this is this is a you know I mean after we there's a lot of folks out there that have been married for a little while and the question always comes up like how do you keep the magic alive? We're gonna find out in just a second. This is the Moni. Uh, <laughs> this is the. <coughs> This is, oh God, um, this is all staying in too. Uh, it's the most beloved podcast and, and, and just the pinnacle of podcasting quality. My name is Dan Hurt and I'm calling in from Mississauga, Ontario. My name is Adam Costix. I'm calling from Dallas, Fort Worth. And this is Eli Brandt calling in from Metro Detroit. Metro Detroit. In- interesting that you are not Gibbs. Um, Eli Brandt, how are you, sir? I'm doing very well. Good. Good. We're we're excited to have you here. So far. Um, So, (laughs) yeah, TBD. It's early days, but this is so. So Gibbs, she uh, we gave her the night off again. You know how it is. You know how it is, guys. You got to be flexible, and that's what we are. We're flexible here at Mosby. Uh, Eli, you and I, we we go way back uh, to uh, well. I don't know, 2012, 2013, something like that? Well, we, we crossed paths in uh, without seeing each other in 2012, the summer of 2012. Yeah, it's like like ships passing through the night, yeah, right? where we both uh, were applying for the same position, uh, made it very hard on that company to choose who it was going to be, and uh, mm-hmm. you won. Uh, you were, I, you were chosen did. above me in what was told, I was told was a very, uh, very difficult decision. Um, but they went well, with you because they I, felt I sorry eager. for you. But um, <laughs> I was going to say, I'm always eager to debase myself. So it's like uh, whatever, whatever gets me the job. You know what I mean? Right. So a year later, <laughs> job position comes open at the same place. Uh, and they immediately call me because I was it was that close. And I accepted that position. And then we met on my first day at that employer uh, where I still am mm-hmm. with Flagstar Bank. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, the first thing you, you came in and, and met me and said, hey, I'm with the training team. You want me to introduce yourself? And then I kind of put mm-hmm. two and two together by the time we went to lunch. And I said, uh, when we sat down eating lunch, I said, uh, just so you know, you've got a pretty high bar to meet. Because if you beat me <laughs> uh, to get this position, uh, you must have done a hell of a job. Because I walked out of that, all the interview process, thinking that there's no one that could have got that job above me. And uh, you did. Well. And uh, I don't want to brag, man. Well, I don't so, want to brag. So, but, so uh, they actually kept your resume on file. That's usually just like what you hear. Hey, we'll keep your resume. We'll let you know if anything else comes. Uh, you know, I off. thought it they was all. Your... I thought it was all BS myself because yeah. that's all I'd ever known. But apparently, Amazing. it was that close. And that as soon as that position became available, like I, I was stalking that job, right? And I saw the yeah. posting come out at night, and I reapplied for the job. But I got a phone call the next morning, which. Recruiting doesn't work that fast anyway. No. So I was like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> that I'm yeah. like, that's amazing. But no, yeah, she uh, she gave me a phone call and said, hey, uh, are you still interested in this position? And uh, given the state of uh, mortgages and everything that was going on in, in my niche, so to so speak, um, I was like, yeah, I'll take it. <laughs> the rest nice. is history. Nah, that's awesome. It, 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 yeah, it was a ridiculous set of circumstances. And, you know, there was, uh, to your credit, there was zero animosity because uh, you're a classy dude. And um, just to give folks a, a glimpse into what it is that, that you do, well, what's what's kind of the, the 
you know, without tipping your cards too much, what's what's your what's your regular uh, workday look like? What sort of things in the L and D scene do you do? Oh, it's it's grown uh, leaps and bounds, especially over the last two or three years. Um, I've gotten more involved in learning uh, e learning development. Um, I've gone branched off from just uh, ILT sessions, whether it be live or uh, webinar type. Um, doing a lot more e-learning, started doing voiceover, and really starting to expand and break uh, for the modern learner and break from you know the, the wow. recorded PowerPoint <laughs> to uh, make sure that we've got uh, more engagement, uh, just trying to find ways to get um, the learner to see and retain our stuff, whether it be... That's it. Um, and, and just trying not to be in the box, so to speak, anymore. You got to got to figure a way to, to, to what I always say is get people to switch off of autopilot. Like, uh, yeah, that, 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 that's a good way of putting it too, because so many people, you know, how often do you hear about, um, people that admit to taking training while they're doing other work? Oh, all the time. Like the perfect example I give when people say, what do you mean by break autopilot? Let's say you're in line at like target, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you know, that the person at the cashier is going to tell you, uh, would you like to save 10%, 20%, whatever it may be, by opening a credit card with us today, right? You know it's coming, and you have that automated response already, like, locked in the chamber. And if they, per if that person would just ask you, how are you today? You would It would, it would make you come out of autopilot, grab the wheel, yeah. go, wait, 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 that's not what I was expecting to hear. And yep. so that anything you can do to get people to take that preloaded response and like engage is, is something that is uh, we're working for. There's there's a phrase that I've been kind of starting to implement with uh, with with my my my, you know, my clients as far as getting buy in to try something a little more interesting. And I, and I, I kind of liken it to, OK, we've got historically maybe we've had like a, a lean back training experience and we want them to lean into this you know we want them to lean forward in their chair to actually be engaged as if it were a game or a really intense movie or something where they're like oh they're like almost not on the edge of their seat because i don't think we're ever going to do that but um you know just something that's kind of make it a lean forward sort of event yeah kind of like that picture you sent me the other day dan I, and i'm not gonna go into the exact details of it but there was a picture of a meeting that you sent me on LinkedIn and it was a, a business meeting and there was a couple of people standing in <laughs> front and yeah. looking at the, the, everyone's dressed in a suit. They're all nice. They're financial mm -hmm. people and they're sitting back mm -hmm. and they're talking about how this was, you know, a rally for everybody. No lie. There's probably 50 people in the room. I counted because after you sent it to me, I looked at the picture and then mm -hmm. I kind of started examining it. About 20 people were on their phones looking at something yeah. different while somebody was standing there. The other people looked bored out of their minds they were just going through yeah. the motions of being in a meeting it looked horrible <laughs> it was pretty funny that you sent it to me you picked up uh, on it, that everybody else was dude, like looks like great fun oh yeah yeah and it, it jumped out so big and maybe it's just because once you start labeling stuff like that you start looking at it it's like because because there was such a such a difference between what the text above the photo said and then what the actual photo was you know the text was was uh, everything was exciting blah 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 like i uh, were all fired what something like that right and then and then the first three people in the image are leaning back in their chair it looks like they just finished a pasta lunch you know they were all like some, uh, it 
it's a picture, so it's hard to tell. But if I had to guess, mm-hmm. they were sluggish they at were best. They were very sluggish. Um, yeah. So was this like <laughs> an action with shot or like meat. a stock photo? No, it was a, no, it was a real meeting. No, this was an action meeting. shot from the event. Yeah. Real meeting. Yeah. Real okay. event. Yep. That's right. We'll forward it over Hey, I don't want to get too far into this because, ladies and gentlemen, we have a treat for you. Speaking of a lean forward experience, uh, we're going to make available in the show notes for this. a And I, it's this is a Mosby Learning bingo card where you can play along and listen for your favorite Mosby buzzwords. Um, and I don't know. I don't know. You, you, you finish the whole card, you get to take a shot or something like that. But uh, we'll make that available. There are some um, there are some some sleepers in there, some that you might not have heard, but they were there. Uh, and there's some some that you're just gonna you're gonna you're gonna smash that button by the end of the uh, the end of the episode. You've got about another hour to to fill that card out. So go to the uh, go to, go to the show notes, which are going to be found at mosby.ca slash zero one three. As this is our thirteenth episode, lucky number 13. Uh, thirteen, as it were. I thought we could okay. skip thirteen, kind of like elevators. We just oh, you- go right to fourteen. <laughs> Do you ever notice that they don't have thirteenth floor? An elevator? Yeah, you know, if there's one group of people that I don't want to be uh, believing in in the the woo woo superstition, it's like my architects and engineers. Yeah, they know. You know, they know. They said to stay away <laughs> well, from thirteen. They, do. they don't even put it on the floor. They just take it away. Get it out of there. Well, maybe it's not them. Maybe it's the people that are in the elevators. Maybe it's kind of a user centric design. It's not the uh, not them at all. All right. Hey, uh, let's talk about social media for a second. This is uh, it's a learning podcast. But uh, what sort of social media updates do we have? Uh, are, are there any uh, Adam on your end? Nope, just continuing to do Twitter and uh, just lighting mo- Twitter ablaze. <laughs> I am lighting it ablaze. It's actually the e- really easy. <laughs> so it's kind of posting about must be learning. So check it out, must be learning hey, on Twitter. Did you confirm if it's 160 characters or 280 characters? No, I never go that far. Okay, so <laughs> it's very shallow. Okay, then I'm gonna it's I'm gonna clear very right. shallow content. Uh, I am. If you guys are looking for me, I have re- with with great reluctance join instagram um you could find me there dan talks training i thought that was a fun little handle uh eli you're you're all over instagram though aren't you uh i am but not in the uh, learning and development category it's not in the learning development no, space no, you're, as they call it you are as uh, kids call it these days <laughs> and it's 280 characters for twitter right now uh there's a Google, there's thought. this thing that's called google thought. and you can just like ask a question Uh-oh. really quick and get the facts it doesn't have to drone on for a week to find out whether it's 160 or it's 280. It's a like. teaser. Keep people coming back to the podcast. We answer it the next week. It, it kind of works for us. <laughs> hey, That's what keeps them but, coming okay, on. So wh- <laughs> why are you so prevalent on Instagram? Uh, What's I your mean, deal? I'm not like... We didn't talk about this, but do you want to share yeah. you want to share your sideline? Uh, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I've got a, a side business that I do, uh, fly tying. And I've got in this own, in my own, in the fly tying world, in this little corner... I've got mm-hmm. a, a pretty good thing going. Uh, it's not something that's super, yep. super popular in the, the big world, but in this little world, I got a good thing going. It's Great Lakes Fly is my company name, and uh, GreatLakesFly.com, and I tie flies for big game freshwater fish for the most part. Um, in so fact, that's with like sharks and stuff? No, nah, freshwater. So, so muskie is big. Um, I'm filling right now a lot of orders for customers who are going on uh, major excursions. I've got a guy who's going to Guyana to fish for Arapaima. Um, I've got mm-hmm. guys that are going to the Amazon jungle to fish for peacock bass. I've sent flies to a guy in Singapore who takes them to Mongolia for giant taimen. Um 
and uh, I do a lot here in the greater Midwest as well. So, yeah, you've sent places as exotic as Canada too, haven't you? I, I have, and every time I send yeah, okay. a package to Canada, I ask if you know them. <laughs> that's not obnoxious at all um so <laughs> yes uh, and that is pretty cool you've had you've had articles written about you you're like you said in your in that little corner of the world you uh you are somebody and that's that's nice that's you know and i do a I'm lot just of trying to live too. up i do a lot of presentations do i do a lot of shows where i'm demonstrating all weekend long tying flies and teaching kids and mm -hmm. adults and everything in between um how to do uh what i do and I, I'm completely open source. Uh, I don't like hide any tips or tricks or anything. Um, yeah. But I know that I, you know, it's that uh, Malcolm Gladwell, uh, ten thousand hours. I've got so much time in that a lot of people yeah. can't do what I can do just because of how many flies I've tied over the years. You know, I think there's something. Th there is there is so little concern from actual professionals about giving things away. Um, like, like if I, if I went to a microbrewery, they would probably happily either show me how to brew or involve me in the process if I was willing to volunteer. And it's not like I'm going to go open a microbrewery next door and compete with them. You know, like mm -hmm. it, it, it just, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Well, the other thing is you can usually see them coming a mile away. The people that do want to do that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's true too. Yeah. So, hey, how did you get, uh, just uh, real quick, how did you get involved in the learning the learning space, as it were, uh, at all? Um, I, it's <laughs> an interesting story. Uh, my first professional job I kind of stumbled into on accident. Um, we'll, we'll be the judge of the interesting part. <laughs> uh, so, like, my friend was working for a mortgage company, and he's like, hey, you should come do what I do. He was a loan officer. He's like, we just help people get mortgages. We help people get into houses. And I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. It wasn't until like three or four months into the job that I realized I was a salesperson. And uh, uh. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, I'm actually, this is a sales job. And uh, <laughs> so I got pretty good at it. I wasn't uh, the best, but I was, you know, better than the average uh, LO. And, um, but one of the things that I've always been really good at is understanding like product guides and part numbers and rules and all that goes along with it so in the mm. mortgage space that's gospel right you got to know yeah. the details of what gets somebody qualified for a loan plus i learned the systems pretty well and what wound up happening is we were in a pretty fast growing this is the beginning <laughs> of the mortgage boom almost 20 years ago uh, that we've pretty much been living in with the Oof. at that time and um so the company was hiring like crazy and the managers there was no real formal training there uh the managers would be like hey eli knows what he's doing and he can tell it to you in a way that you're going to actually remember it and I'm, you're not going to just do it for you um so i would have like this line at my desk teaching people how to do the job and Good Lord. Uh, like they would line up at your desk they would queue up and you would teach them one at a time two or three yeah and then I'd make, wow. mostly I'd make them, I'd, I'd go over to their desk, make them drive is what I always called it, uh, make yep. them drive so I wasn't doing it for them. And I was teaching them how to use the systems, how to get people, how to read the guidelines, how to, you know, become a professional loan officer. And the, my production was dropping because you can't really do yep. both. Uh, and they wound up saying, hey, you know what, you're pretty good at this. Uh, why don't we move you into a full-time training position? And I moved into a training role from that point um and then i kind of just learned on the on the fly so to speak like i was always a natural teacher 
and then it just kind of I <laughs> knew the subject and I knew how to how to disseminate that information and make it to a point where people understood it. Um, I'm known for my analogies and being able to kind of come at it from a couple different angles to get people to understand things. So yeah, kind of grew yeah, from we there, were, we and were... then now I'm. You know, now I'm really starting to put the real learning and development thing to just that basic piece that I had for a long time. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun to um, to to have a natural inclination, and then once you start to learn the like the official or more formalized nuts and bolts to it, you can leverage stuff so much quicker. It's like, oh, I was kind of doing this the hard way, but now, holy geez, I'm incredible at this. Yeah, that's uh, that's awesome. I I always enjoyed uh, working with you. We never did a lot of uh, webinars together, but you have done uh, your fair share of webinars, and I want to dig mm-hmm. into that because, you know, we're still kind of going through our virtual mini-series, as it were, here, kind of talking through uh, virtual training platforms and different pieces. So we're going to lean on some of that experience coming up. Uh, we're also going to touch on a few articles, uh, as as maybe you've come to expect, and, and some of them are going to be good. Now, there was one that Gibbs wanted to talk about. We're going to hold on to that one. Uh, we're going to tease that even further that's a, a military one but there's there's a couple other interesting ones here that i do want to touch on before we get too far into this though uh, as i mentioned show notes too far we're probably like 15 minutes in by now uh show notes mosby.ca that's the uh, canadian domain uh .ca slash zero one three and if you have questions if you have re- requests as to a topic that we might touch on um what what would we say about modern learners or leaders? I don't know. But if you want to find out, email us at uh, mosbylearning at gmail.com. And before we get too, too far, ladies and gentlemen, last week we had, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I listened back to it. Uh, it's kind of a quality control sort of thing. And I had, we, I had in my head what we what i thought was like a really squeaky clean episode but we did get a note from uh from portland and uh this is kind of the you done messed up here you done messed up hey ron um uh, it's not my place to interpret here so i'm just gonna read it and and we can all just maybe be better for the experience um okay so on our previous episode one of us made an insensitive comment about quote substitute teachers quote being glorified school vcr cart pushers despite the fact that it's 2019 and vcrs no longer exist substitute educators as they are properly referred to in the nea.org that's national education association provide a critical link in the education of public school children by serving as a bridge to provide continued quality education to children in the temporary absence of regular classroom educators The comment was in bad taste not only because we are supposed to be a learning and development podcast, but also due to its proximity to Substitute Educators Day, which took place this past November 22nd. Substitute Educators Day is observed on on Friday during American Education Week every year. We at Mosby Learning would like to salute the efforts of substitute educators and would ask them to please accept our humble apologies. Going forward, we will make a sincere effort to recognize substitute educators as the professionals they are. And I would just like to add my personal heartfelt apologies and thanks to educators across the world who may be listening. So um, apologies all around. Now, uh, moving on to what what we got some headlines here. And Adam, you can. uh, Why don't you take us through? 
that first piece, that gem that you've got in front of us there in the show notes called Evolution of the Modern Learner. You know, I, no, actually, you uh, you said it wrong. And I came across this uh, this past oh, week. thank you. And I uh, yeah. had to send this to you immediately when I saw it on Slack and, and sent it right over. It's the evolution. Uh, you know, in the previous episodes, we've talked about the modern learner. We've talked about ad nauseum feelings about the modern learner. And, you know, Eli, I would love to hear your opinions on that, too. But... Today, I think one of the big things that we need to talk about is the evolution of the modern leader. The modern leader. The modern leader. And I know when I sent this to you, immediately you you sent back some choice words. Um, (laughs) You know, some of the things they talk about in here is that, you know, in the past, leaders demanded respect. Now they earn respect. Okay, I I can get behind that one. But there's yeah. a couple in here that I think will really kind of stir people up. In the past, leaders need to be IQ focused. Now they need to be EQ focused. And Dan, I'll just pause there for a moment because I know you had some strong words, choice well, okay, words. Okay, so, so are we just saying that people being smart, who gives a damn anymore as long as we can all just uh, sit down and, and kumbaya and be chill together? Like, cause that's, that's what this okay, is saying, so yes. I, I, I get what they're trying to say. I get what they're trying to say. And, you know, we've only touched on two and there's uh, maybe 10 points and we should source this properly. This is from the, uh, my eyes are getting old MTD training group. Is that right? That is correct. Okay. I'm not sure who they are. Uh, Maybe uh, Eli, would, would you be so kind as to use that uh, magical website that you have to find out who MTD uh, training group is? I can do that. Thank you very much. I mean, you have a whole week. We can get back to it. <laughs> That's okay. true. We're going to tease yeah. it. Just tease it. <laughs> we'll tell you about it next week. But, but okay. So, and I see what they're like, sure, it's the society has changed, et cetera. But does that mean that we don't care about intelligence? Is that like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. I don't understand why two things can't be true at once. Isn't, well, that that's, that's well put, I think. Yeah. So it, it could certainly be about um iq and eq i have no problems with that statement at all yeah uh adam what are your thoughts on this i think it should be both yes i think you know i think it should be both i don't think you need to stop having iq i think you know leaders should have pretty high iq and a lot of a lot of things going as a modern leader you have to be educated you have to know what's going on you have to you know see what's going on in the industry yes you have to have eq too but it's not one or the other and the way this is set up is now it's one or the other mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What, what, there, what what's another choice one that you have on there i thought this one was interesting if it isn't broken and then that's the past and now the future is let's break it and change and you know i'm yeah. all for change you know i'm a huge change agent and i'm a huge for trying and failing and you know putting things out there however if it's not broken and it's doing what it's doing, not everything needs to be broke again. Like, like going out there and just breaking things that are running smoothly for the sake of breaking things is probably mm-hmm. a bad decision. Like, let, let me let me let me kind of spin this one way. And, and Mr. Barant, tell me what this sort of analogy does for you. Um, a taco does a perfectly good job as a taco. But for some reason, Taco Bell just wanted to add layer upon layer upon layer to it until it was not a recognizable taco anymore. Like that, that to me is changing something for the sake of changing something. 
Yeah, they make up their own foods. Yeah, I, I think they did that, and it was called the gordita. Like micro-learning and nano-learning. <laughs> nano-learning. Speaking of making shit up. Yeah. Oh, Eli, nano-learning is something else. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have a TikTok update next week, I hope. Oh, yeah, but, um, <laughs> that count's coming. There, okay, there was one on here. There was one on here. Hides emotions. Yeah, I was just that's the, that's the past, man. That's old news. We don't we don't want you to hide emotions. We want you to be the the new lunar, the future. Oh, learners, leader. Sorry, the future of leaders. They need to be open. I have no issues with that. And vulnerable. This I don't even know what this means. I don't know. Let's talk about my feelings so, today. Okay. So, oh God, I don't. Uh, I don't want. I wish Gibbs were here. It's like the nineteen fifties leader. Like that's what the guy on the left is. The like 1950s Mad Men leader. leader, right? Yeah, like Mad yep. Men, and then and now it's like the new and enlightened woke leader on the uh, on, on the on the future. So you know what happens? He's even dressed like that. He's even dressed like that in this oh, picture. He's, he's got yeah. He looks. He's dressed like Zuckerberg. That's what he looks like. He needs a hoodie, but like yeah, he's got a t-shirt yeah. and tight jeans on. Yeah. Well, we're assuming they're tight. And they then, tight. a phone. His legs and then skinny, a briefcase. Then. Yeah. Um, it could be. So, okay, so let, let's talk about this hiding emotions versus open and vulnerable thing that, uh, that again, this is what we're reviewing like right now, ladies and gentlemen. It's the MTD group, uh, our training group, uh, Evolution of a Modern Leader. And, and the past, we, as, as leaders, we, uh, held our emotions to ourselves. We didn't expose them. But in the future, to be a successful leader, we need to be open and vulnerable. And I, I think that their transparency is incredibly important. I do. But again, I think this shouldn't it be a little bit of both? Because if I if I just if I'm a leader and I'm super open and I'm I'm like fired up about something and I'm angry about something, do I like does that benefit my team if I'm on a little tirade? No, it doesn't. You need to keep your shit in check one way or the other. Um, but like it's 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 in the middle. It's both. It's not one or the other. This is I hate shit like this. <laughs> Anyways, what is, uh, is there anything else? Because I'm already done with this thing. Is there anything do you, else do that you want to can... know about? Do you want to know about MTD training? Oh, yeah. OK, just and this isn't to disparage. I just want to know what the source no. of this is. They are MTD training is a uh, our management training specialists with award winning leadership and management training programs and programs is spelled p-r-o-g-r-a-m-m-e-s so and looking at their address it uh it, it is not a u.s-based company yeah. it may be canadian uh, well it could be canadian yeah it could be canadian or british program i've always been that's one of those things that i've always been confused about because sometimes it feels natural to spell it m-m-e and then um so much of my uh so much of my international experience is is just end it with an M and that's that. So I don't yeah. I don't know. Let me see what the uh, z- the zip code is as letters and numbers. So <laughs> all right, well, well you're well, doing Eli's that. Let's actually, what Eli's doing that, Dan. I noticed something you wrote the other day. I was going to call huh? you on it the other day. Uh Uh-oh. You wrote favorite. Yeah, with a U. <laughs> you wrote it with a, <laughs> U. With a U, and I'm like, what? Yeah. What, 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 yeah. Well, I'm Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, sir? But you're not in Quebec? You. It is England. It is England. Oh, it's England. Yeah. Yeah. That go. was French. Yeah. It's the Brits. What's wrong, oh, no, with, no. What's the, wrong the... with spelling stuff properly for the country that I live in, Mr. Man? I'm just saying. It's just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. Okay, let's, uh, let's move on. It works now that you live there. Uh, you know, I've really, I've really embraced it. There's nothing more. I've learned this. There's nothing more than uh, more Canadian than a Canadian that doesn't live in Canada. Um, and, and I certainly got a little closer to my roots when I was down in, uh, uh, down in the States. 
Almost maybe spent my water out there. <laughs> Hope you got something covering your laptop. All right, so let's uh, let's jump into previously what we've talked about. Um, the, the one of the articles we're going to skip that one that uh, that Gib wants to talk about. So we'll, we'll talk about that next week. But the uh, the one I do want to touch on this is well, speaking of Canada, from our our uh, state sponsored media, the CBC, and this uh, this is a empathy based virtual reali- reality training, a game changer for Halton Police. Halton is a is a regional area around here, and it was a program. Uh, or it was an article that kind of runs down the the way that they are using VR. Now, uh, should I just kind of take point on this one, or or did uh, Adam or Eli? Did you guys want to touch on this before we jump in here? I have some things to add. I want you to you should probably run point, but I, I skimmed it and I didn't read the whole thing, but I did get a good gist of what the what they're doing there, and I, I I've. I have some feedback. Okay. All right. All right. Um, okay. So I'll, I'll just kind of run point with, with, the, with the gist of it here. And what it was about, it was largely about kind of mental health, uh, mental health issues. And now the, <clears throat> here's the thing. As I'm an instructional designer by trade, and when we think about designing programs, you know, there's a lot of decision trees that have to be made. There's, there's all sorts of stuff. But as soon as you start to start to throw virtual reality into it, and then the conversations that we've had before about virtual reality, they really say, it, my stance so far has been, it's overblown. It can be incredibly value in certain scenarios. However, I think it's largely overhyped for the uh, maybe the proportion of solutions that it's able to bring. Now, what they're talking about looks to be a decision tree that, well, it, it starts with you are, you put the VR headset on and it looks like they're Oculus. Um, what the hell are they? Oculus something. Rift. Uh, Oculus Go, it looks oh. like. So I don't know if that's a, a, a newer version or what the deal is. But um, hey, if you know what the differences are, mosbylearning at gmail.com. Let us know because I don't want to Google that right now. But you put it on, and for the first couple minutes in this simulation, you're the actual person that you end up having to uh, uh, confront or encounter or kind of sort out. So whether you're schizophrenic or you're an addict or something, you're you're somehow looking through that headset or that headspace in the first couple minutes. So I assume that there's going to be some audio that comes with that that's kind of like a running monologue, like an internal monologue, kind of letting you know where they're at, if they're feeling super paranoid or what the deal is. And, um, and you know, I've, I've had, uh, there is, there is elements of mental health in my family history. So I'm certainly not kicking out folks there and it's, it's challenging stuff. And I think that this could be very valuable that I was legit. I'm not being a jackass. Um, no, the, you know, th- this, this isn't easy stuff for people to kind of sort out, but I, do, I still don't think that VR is the solution because, there's no reason that this can't be presented aside from the, the difference of an immersive sort of environment. There's no reason that it can't be presented on a 22 inch monitor. You know what I mean? So because yeah, it's kind of, I kind of agree with you. I'm I'm looking at exactly how they're presenting it through the modules. And Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any benefit of being actual virtual reality of it because you can do the exact same thing with interactive video, right? It's just branching videos and at least how they're doing it, it looks like it's just a video. And yes, yeah. they could look around a little bit, but they're still stopping it where they have to make a decision tree. So yeah. I don't know if the actual virtual reality, besides being cool, 
was really enhancing the training where you could do the exact same thing with a video, have, have an actor, the exact same actor do the same thing. And you're still able to see body language. You're still able to see facial expression, all the things that I think they're getting with that training. You can still see it in a regular, uh, regular video. Uh, Eli, what are your thoughts here? Well, I, a a few things. First one is in the context of they're using this, um, it doesn't, I don't think it helps like for, uh, a policeman or someone who's in the security field or in the first responder field. I don't think it helps them make their decision any faster trying to get in the head of the person they see doing what they're doing. Mm. Right. Like if I'm a police officer and I'm called to a, a scene and something's going on and I see somebody with a knife in their hand. Yeah. Right. I can't, it's taking away from my process to, to trying to turn, get myself in their head. Yeah. I don't understand. I I don't understand the, the feeling like the, some things like they just got to eliminate the situation. They got to, they got to calm the situation. And I don't think that's the right space for it. Yeah, we've, um, we've kind of touched in, in, in this in this regard. I, I I don't see it in in other instances like you like was just previously mentioned. Yeah, this might be a pretty cool thing to do, and um, I think cool is the main word mm-hmm. um, and, and effective. Uh, but I mean, you know, it just it's it's repetitions, right? It's yeah. it's whatever you're doing, actors, whether it be live actors, whether it be on a 22 inch monitor, it's repetitions that make you better. Drilling is is going to be very important. How many times can they see? that item so do they have to do it through a vr monitor i don't think so um but just seeing situations and uh the decision tree and and going through uh as many as they can get so that they can make those decisions faster is probably the most important thing not how it's done Uh, one of the arguments this is going to sound uh this is going to sound out of left field for a second but I'll, i'll bring it back one of the arguments that i've heard as a good choice for it's not all the time but you can use gamification and heavy story stuff like you can take um like like now okay now we're on we're we're in space or we're in candy or just something that's really sort of fantasy based thing something that's really crazy you could take that and use it to allow experts in the in their field to maybe step away from the fact that they always have to feel confident and know the answers and they can make it more of a an interesting place to explore ideas that may have parallels that aren't directly related to their role and in the same way that that kind of break from the the, the standard allows those people to possibly kind of explore some new ideas to help them move their skill set forward. Maybe this VR thing is an opportunity that these guys are using to bring in that empathy piece. And I'm sure it's been brought in before. Like, I don't know a lot about um, uh, police officer training. I'd really, I'd love to, because uh, it, it is, it is such a fascinating thing. The, the rock and the hard place that cops today find themselves in is freaking unbelievable. I, and I, it's, 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 it's just, my heart kind of goes out to these these guys and gals because this can't be freaking easy to do, you know. Um, so empathy has to have been included at some point in there. I'm sure it has, but maybe just the 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 novelty factor of the virtual reality piece kind of allows them to take a step back and, and get something additional out of it. I don't know. I don't know. I have. To- well, the other thing too, with as much drilling and things that they've probably done, they probably 
they walk into a training and they're like, oh, another training where VR might be like, oh, they'll, they'll, this is different. Yeah, that's possible. Kind of that engagement, that getting them to break off the yeah. the autopilot thing we talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I would maybe I, a little I, less I, defensive because it's got the wow. Go I, ahead. I'm I can sorry. get behind that, Eli. If, uh, at least they won't roll their eyes. But I wonder if the novelty yeah. wears off, right? Like how many how many VR training classes can you go to and go? Okay, go ahead, put this headset on again, and then. And then on the flip side of that, really, what's the ROI on that, right? Like, that has to be super expensive to produce. I mean, you think about it. So, it has live video. It also has branching. So, and then I don't know of any necessarily, like, rapid, you know, authoring tools. Like, I don't think Articulate can create virtual reality. So, your your production costs have to be through the roof. Yeah. So I'm wondering, is there really an ROI on your outcome from the learning well, to make a VR? That's government money, though, bro. I guess it's probably good. Yeah. Well, not, I mean, that's it. I mean, you know, they're all, you know, I've always, there was, there was always a, a trope around uh, police when I was kind of growing up, but I never, ever saw it in reality, the policeman's ball that they're always trying to raise money for, Yeah. you know, you guys, you guys remember VR. this trope? Oh, yeah. It always goes yeah, to VR. Maybe that's, maybe it's going to, it's going <laughs> It's going to Oculus. <laughs> <laughs> but don't think about it, right? Like, that, that, that's that got to be tremendously expensive. How much would it be able yeah. to, you know, how much would it cost to go to the Green Actors Guild, grab a couple well, of people that are actors, and literally do a live simulation where they're actors in front of you, then having a programmer to create it? You can probably pick up some guys for 500 bucks a day. I guarantee yeah, you that, I, that costs a lot more than that. I, I don't know. I, I think the recording, that's the, that's the cheap side, but you can scale it. So, I mean, it's not just a police force in Halton that gets this. This could be police forces everywhere. So, I think the ROI is there because VR, to its credit, scales, um, you know, as long as the content's relevant for the audience. I think I read in the beginning of the article that they, they make thousands of hours of this, uh, or thousands of, of, of items. It's, just, it's a lot. Like... That they that's a lot of money putting into, especially if it's not just um, in this one scope, this mental health virtual reality. If they're doing it in other places, this company's uh, might be selling some snake oil. Well, uh, <laughs> exactly. Speaking so, of so snake oil, put in perspective. I just had a, a vendor lunch last week, three to five minute videos. Then I texted you, what was it, four to seven thousand per three to five minute video? It was something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do to, it for half. <laughs> no, four to seven thousand, and, and they're a legit company, and they're they're good. They're not huge either, right? So yeah. they're they're kind of mid mid there. So if you're talking four to seven thousand for a three to five minute video, producing something like that, I, you know, I I know scales budgets are all different depending upon where you go, things like that. But yeah, yeah I feel like that one's going to be tossing a lot of money. And Oculus is probably banking. Yeah, no, they, well, you know, they, I'm sure they had their investment uh, up front. Um, now, okay, so I, I want to be delicate about this transition because, you know, you, 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 you said snake oil there, and, and I immediately thought of the next article I want to talk to for a specific reason, and I certainly wouldn't want to accuse anybody of anything that they shouldn't be accused of as yet. But um, so the next article is from Forbes, um, but I'm hesitant to call it an article. So the, it, it's called, whatever it happens to be, it's called The Future of Safety Training semicolon no that's a regular colon <laughs> regardless of the type uh looking at vr and immersive learning now this is written by like i say it's it's in forbes uh, forbes.com and it's written by lauren fade a gentleman named lauren fade from uh, he's co-founder of vr vision inc uh 
And it just really gives kind of a high level of the the benefits and uh, it increases retention. No sources cited. Uh, effective and scale. No argument for scale. Effective should be fine. Like I, I don't take issue with those things, but they're um, it, just a couple things like that. Now, here's the thing, though. This is an article from Forbes and it is there's a little tiny bit of text beside one of the many logos and, and things that's underneath the immediate title that says paid program. And here's my, I, I don't know. This is just, this is just maybe old man paranoia here, but, and I, I looked at another article. I started Googling, well, what the hell does this mean? This paid program Forbes, you know, what, what does that mean? And ultimately these are people that are, they've been somehow vetted and they have received training on writing, or maybe they have written things before, but they don't get paid by Forbes to do this. So these are not, um, they're, they're articles that are written possibly with an agenda of sorts. And so this guy's, trying to sell us on VR and he happens to be a co-founder of VR vision. So obviously he's got a stake in the game, you know, but this, this is my whole thing with the, the hype around VR that it just, I, I think that it, we, everybody needs to pump the goddamn brakes and just actually sit back for a second. Let's not make this the lean forward thing. Gaming hundred percent go nuts. But when it comes to actually spending the, the budget, the freaking blowing the budget that this sort of stuff would cost, like we just highlighted, uh, I just think that it's not the immediate right way to go. I don't know. I don't know. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? Whether it's, are, are you railing against clickbait? <laughs> it is, I'm not even clickbait. It has nothing to do with celebrities. It is, it, it is though. Like, like I, I check out the, the local news rags here, news, Detroit Free Press, Detroit Ooh. News websites, and you always see in the articles, in the legit articles, you always see an article, and at the bottom it says, like, sponsored article mm -hmm. or, um, yeah. like, paid program, whatever. They're commercials. Yeah. They're, they're just, they're, they're yep. instead of a banner ad, they're a commercial, they're, they're an article, like a faux article that is, it's just a different way of, of, of getting someone to click the ad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Adam, what are, what are your thoughts Yahoo, on just the, the Yahoo does yeah. the clickbait articles all the time. They kind of Yahoo, slide yeah. them in. Um, no, I, I, I think to your point, unless you have a really good use case um, and I'm trying to remember, Dan, you and I had a conversation with somebody at lunch at the ATD conference this year. Mm -hmm. about where she was using VR and why she was excited about it. Remember, we were talking to the group. We were talking they, about was, VR. That was the, the, they were working with uh, addiction, uh, like addiction support? Or... No, I thought it was the one. They were cool. Um, I thought it was the one. Um... <laughs> Unlike this other person. <laughs> no, no. Th those people were great. Um, oh, my the... God. Uh, there's a whole another reason we'll talk about it in a minute, but the uh, they were talking about the machinery and you know the big machinery, heavy machinery is multi million oh, yeah, dollar yeah, yeah. machinery, yeah. and that it could Absolutely. kill somebody, and that they saw the big use case of we need to really simulate exactly mm. what they're going to be doing in this heavy machinery, totally. and I'm like perfect use case, get it, perfect use case, and you know everyone else around the table is is, is doing something like us, right? Finance, yeah, it'd be cool. But there's really no need for it right now yeah. with the technology today. In the future, maybe if it catches on, or it could end up like 3D TVs, right? Um, I was reading an article about 3D TVs. They don't even exist anymore. Nobody makes no? 3D TVs anymore, um, which is kind of amazing that 
you know, that was a big fad. Avatar came out, the 3D TV came out, everyone got those glasses and now you can't even get one. And so James Cameron is going to be disappointed. I know. Hopefully the new fad comes in. So um, Avatar 2 is coming out. Smell vision. But uh, (laughs) so I I don't think the technology has caught up to where it's scalable for everybody in learning. And I think it's a little bit of a fad. Yeah. And, you know, one of your points that you made last week, Dan, is like a lot of folks are looking at the cheapest option. The cheapest option is not always the best option. Yeah. Well, most expensive option isn't always the best option either. No. Yeah. Well right? put. Like, yeah. Just because it costs just because more it money. Costs more doesn't mean it's more effective. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, it's got cachet and, and there's going to be certain people that are that are in the C-suite that are going to be pitching for that shit to say like, hey, no, we're we're cutting edge. It's like, OK, well, what edge in particular are you cutting with that, you know, hundred and forty thousand dollars? Which edge is this, you know? Um, because maybe, maybe there's some others that could, we could spend that a little bit, uh, more sensibly on, you know, says the guy that has four pairs of pants, but still, (laughs) still, (laughs) I'm a minimalist in some ways, folks, not always, but some ways. Okay. Uh, there were a couple other articles in there. Um, maybe just, you know what, just for kicks, let's just touch on one more of these things. I just want to check the time, see how we're doing. Yeah. Let's, let's touch on one more of these things and then, um, and then there's one little, just like a little cherry on top of these articles that I want to throw in there. So this one's actually kind of cool. This is now, Adam, you, you know, um, I think my love of haikus developed after I, um, after you and I, uh, Eli parted ways and kind of grew after I, uh, started at, uh, at caliber there. So, but, so you weren't doing uh, Eli, was he doing haikus in his training classes when you worked with him? Not that I'm aware of, but that doesn't mean uh, he's known for doing things when people aren't yeah. looking. <laughs> Tell me about it. What are you it. talking about? What are you talking about? <laughs> you, you'll have, when you walk into a training class, and you're like, hey, okay, I'm just going to come in. I'm going to hang out today, Dan. I'll see what you're doing. Okay, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to start with a haiku today. And, and yeah. then, I'm like, huh. I see. Well, I, I, I should I have, be. No, there was there was hyperbolic Wednesday, hyperbolic Hump Day. We, yeah, we did have. You know, I I today I love is, starting today trends. is Wednesday. Today it is. This is the best Wednesday possibly ever. What um, is hyperbolic? What is hyperbolic Wednesday? Hyperbolic Hump Day. That's just where everything is the most extreme. Anything. Oh. Because it's hyperbolic. It's just like it's. Oh, this is the most. This is the. This is the the uh, the literally the best podcast in the universe. It is. So that's it's trending that's, on Caspar. So maybe it's not hyperbole. Maybe it's legitimately the best podcast in the universe. Um, okay. So this next article, not the best article in the universe, but really interesting. The, and it's called The Amount of Training Lexus Requires of Workers is Mind Blowing. This is from driving.ca. And um, if you want to hear American articles, your American hosts will have to give them to me prior to the show uh otherwise it looks like we're just doing uh well, except for forbes we're just doing canadian articles but this was this was super interesting this is there hearing, a wall is there a wall for america and for like articles can't cross the border yeah 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 yeah. well not uh, yet there, but it's there, there built, might be after speak. today uh i don't know if you saw the headlines trump and trudeau had a little falling out today earlier it, so there may be a, a wall uh, coming wow well, it's, you know, I mean, it's a matter of time until fisticuffs break out between <laughs> no, those seriously, two. No, seriously, they sure. got in a tip today. No, I, That'll get interesting. Yeah, I saw that. I saw that. Um, and it was the best fight ever. Uh-huh. So. The biggest, the biggest, 
the biggest rift between Canada and America ever. <laughs> it's 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 appropriate for the time, I think. You know, I mean, maple syrup has been shut off. <laughs> the, the, the the pipeline of syrup will not flow. The so tariffs, we're gonna tariff it. <laughs> okay, back to training, you guys. Um, the the subheader: the thousands of hours of skills. Uh, practice logged by line workers at Toyota uh, Toyota's TMMC plant in Cambridge, Ontario, shows up in the cars that they build. So I did poke around. So Lexus is the uh, a lot of folks probably know it's it's the luxury branch of Toyota, and we have, as you heard, in Cambridge, Ontario, just a couple hours from where I am right now, we have a Toyota plant. And what they it's actually incredible the stuff that they have these uh, these folks on the line doing. So. Apparently, the interior of the car, uh, Lexus is specifically known for the quality of their interiors. And they're talking about their just, you know, average line worker, their team. I think they call them team members, knowing the exact like it takes about. Uh, well, it's a Canadian article on a Canadian uh, uh, outfit, but uh, two kilograms of force, which is about six point six pounds, I think. Uh, no. What is it? 4.4 pounds. It's 2.2 to a pound. So, or to a, to a kilo. So, uh, about four, four and a half pounds of force to push the various pieces into the thing. And they have to like be exactly specific with that to make sure everything fits exactly like it's supposed to. And they, every single day, so th- this is what blew my mind. Every single day, they have to use their non-dominant hand to create, and here's the haiku tie-in, to create an origami bird in 90 seconds or less perfectly folded. Every single day when they get into work, they have to do that. That is unbelievable. Like, does that... Like the fact that they are making their average line workers do that, like, you know, all of us, the three of us happen to all have been through Detroit at some point in time. Do you think that the uh, the average <laughs> big three worker would be up for that? If if you could see like so I talk about the, 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 the news rags, right? So the main article right now is how to uncorrupt the UAW because <laughs> oh, they've, yeah. they've just realized that the that the people at the top were just skimming all this money. Unbelievable. Uh, yeah, no, that wouldn't have happened with the UAW. Not happening. No, no. It the modern UAW. <laughs> <laughs> we need a yeah. We need a, a diagram for the modern UAW um, leadership. But just I don't know. Th- this just absolutely blew my mind that they have these sort of things, and they have as part of the training they've got to pick out. Um, they, they listed, I think they were gray tiles that were almost identical, but there were 30 different shades. And by the end of the training, they have to arrange them in the, you know, along the gradient scale from what, like a slightly less gray to slightly more gray, uh, like just the in, insane, uh, attention to detail that this makes to me, perfect sense for a Japanese company. Well, and it goes back to like the thing that I mentioned earlier about drilling, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yep. You take the most important pieces and you drill it over and over and over again. And I always liken the drilling to batting practice, right? Like like role play scenarios yeah. and sales or whatever it may be. It's not the same as the actual job, like live fire, like batting practice and, and taking a pit, taking a swing uh, when the lights are on. But it hurt. It helps. Yeah. Like it doesn't hurt you. It helps you get ready and helps you train the muscles and train the train the brain to know what to do when live fire happens. And it makes a lot of sense that doing these things and getting they're getting the results that they want. So like you see, okay, we're doing these things and we're getting the results that we want uh, of having these interiors that are extremely well well developed and, and, and well made. Yeah. Um, 
so it, it's working and the employees can see that okay this does make me better at my job and does make a final output what's coming off the end of the line right if this is the like no analogy it's actually legit what's coming yeah. off the end of the line is is a superior product yeah practice makes perfect um, it does. Well, tell you what, let me ask you guys, and this, this, you know, didn't prepare this question, but it just made me think of it. You're, you're talking about these drills and the batting practice, that sort of stuff. What is something that in your day to day you wish you had the opportunity to have a batting practice uh, on or, or, or to drill in to, to, to be more, uh, more fluent in that, that, uh, that thing? Is there anything you guys can think about the top of the head? That's right. I mean, as a salesperson, <laughs> Go ahead. It, it, Go ahead. it was it was something that you wanted to do, but you never. I never took it seriously. I didn't like what, you know, my more place? mature self oh, now. Yeah, my more mature self now. Yeah, doesn't see the didn't see the, the sees the value in it where I didn't see it as uh, you know when I was the one on the other side of the. Adam, sure. anything well, I was gonna say, it's of? amazing how many salespeople don't want to role play. You know, you get into a role play class, and and there's some people. Yeah. There's even sales leaders out there that are like, "Oh no, we're not going to do role play." And I'm like, "How do you not do role play? It's it, it is the best way to practice because you're practicing, and to, it, you, everybody knows it's not real. But the more yeah. chances you do that, you'll have more tools in your tool belt when you're in conversations with a customer. And yeah, uh, I, yeah. I, I think this goes back to something you you said earlier, Eli, is that two things can be true at once. Um, um, role playing sucks and it works. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, yeah. like that's, and I, I've been saying that for years. It sucks and I, I, I hate doing it. I hate role play so much, but in the instances that I've had to do it, it certainly works. Right. Well, anytime you're uncomfortable, you're growing, right? So no yeah. one's more uncomfortable than role playing in front of a bunch of your peers. Yep. Well, it's, so, it's it's the same thing of like why you look at you know professional athletes. Everyone's like, oh, you know, they're they're talented and everything like that. Sure, sure, talents one, but they all have personal trainers. They all have dietitians. Yeah. They all go to the gym all the time, and they go to practice before they play the game and you, you know you have these football players yeah. right the football players are they'll play you know unless you're the quarterback most players are going to play 15 minutes a week but yet they're practicing hour after hour after hour mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just to get in there for that 15 minutes of total play time yeah. it's all practice before you get there you know maybe maybe it's the japanese tie-in but i just thought of i just remembered i don't know if you guys ever saw the documentary jiro dreams of sushi sushi you guys ever heard of that or seen that one I think I've heard of it. So it was it was an interesting um, documentary about I think it was a, a Michelin star sushi restaurant that's in a subway station somewhere in Japan, um, and it's just you know one of those heavenly sort of experiences. But I remember, I think one of the guys had to like cook rice for five years. Like he cooked rice for five years until he did the next thing that he finally got the rice right. You know, like just the maybe that's overkill. I don't know. You tell me. But um, it, it really is. If you take something seriously and, and really drill at it, it's going to make you better no matter what. It will. I thought you were going to go with the uh, old movie Gun Gung Ho. I thought that's where he was going to. Michael Keaton. Underrated. Underrated actor. Underrated comedic actor. Great movie, Who's the underrated comedic actor? Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. Oh. Oh, no. Yeah, he's terrific. Have you not seen this movie? He started out as a comedian. Do you know that? I learned that the other day. Have you not seen that movie? 
I haven't seen uh, Gung Ho, no. It's <laughs> oh, man. It's exactly the topic we like just talked 50s, about. Though. No, but it, it, it's yep. exactly the topic that we just talked about, right? So it has a, hmm. basically a, a Japanese company buys an American company, and then they have to make so many cars up to the quality standards. And uh, they oh. show a bunch of United States auto workers, and they're on the line, and they're kind of, kind of lazy, they're kind of fat. And then they show the Japanese automakers everything first thing in the morning they're doing calisthenics kind of similar yeah. to your article there mm, you got perfect okay. quality they're working the hours they're clean they're professional and uh it kind of goes through this entire story it's a comedy i'm gonna have to yeah, put that in rotation five years ago wow 25 <laughs> oh, okay. old. no I 84 it, 85 well so i thought no, it was a that. war movie I, I think i'm thinking of a different thing maybe yes i think i think you are like a world war ii movie what platoon <laughs> platoon yeah 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 yeah. that's the one all right that's enough of that the the one last the cherry that i want to put on top of this i was clicking around today and i saw again this will be in the show notes mosby.ca slash zero one three i saw this and you guys might see it in there the 20 top graphic design trends for 2020 it's not even 2020 and we already know what the top 20 graphic design trends are thanks to creative block dot com and uh, i'm not going to go through all these maybe we'll talk about some of these in another mm. day but if you guys want to talk Adam, about can you zip down to uh, number 11 for me type only just take because i'm confident you haven't seen this yet i haven't seen this one but some of them are just yeah. uh i'm going What's, i'm going what have you got for, you, this is the longest scroll and it is a long scroll <laughs> it to is be a fair. long scroll girl but there's a couple that i Definitely want to talk about. Okay, don't, number no, eleven. No, don't don't do any pit stops. Yeah, go Focus ahead. Focus right. on what the f- who is Generation Alpha? Exactly. <laughs> we rolled oh, no. over in the alphabet. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, this is about this is about focusing on twelve year olds to uh, to design to. Genera- um, okay, ge- okay. Generation Alpha are now up to nine years old. They were born in two. They were born in the two thousand tens. What the. You know, and, who cares? And, Gary V cares, and he's going to be a, he's he's going to he's going to do well. So he he sees this stuff coming, but I don't think. I, well, I don't well care about this yeah, stuff. let let me segregate here. And um, Generation yeah. Alpha interacts with tech more naturally and instinctively than any other previous generation. Well, yeah, yeah, because they grew I mean, up with a pacifier and an iPad. It'll influence brand touch points and micro behaviors profoundly. This article is micro behaviors. <laughs> Amazing. That's the only kind of behavior that I like. Hey, speaking of uh, micro, let's uh, let's micro size this and uh, and and put a close to the, the the headlines there. So there is actually just one other thing that I wanted to uh, to do before we get into our big topic and the big topic that we're going to talk about today. And this is why, you know, I'm I'm I'm, of course, sad, just like the rest of our uh, of the Mosby army that uh, Gibbs is not here to join us. She'll, she'll be back. But uh, I did I did want to talk to her about the the big thing today. <laughs> But we've got Adam and Eli that both have experience here. And that's kind of having a partner uh, to support you in a virtual session. Before, though, before we get into that, I have I have uh, I have a poem, gentlemen. I have a poem here. And this this is a poem that I called Tyler D. All right. Are you guys ready for this? As ready as I'll ever be. All right. Remember, when you're uncomfortable, you're growing. Okay. So here we go. Um, (laughs) uh, Tyler D. was at the wheel of the webinar with his partners, Kim and Dave. This session could go far. 
Tyler on the camera to entertain the troops. Kim ran the chat window, Dave watching for tech bloops. Each one with a vibe that's uniquely their own. Perky chat, straight tech help, or silky baritone. Each carry their share of water, but it should be said that Kim and Dave aren't really real. They live in Tyler's head. So that is... That's Tyler D. Um, this, I just thought it was interesting because I was thinking about, and again, I, I try to put these things together once I know what we're going to talk about for the week. And we're talking about having support, and I thought, well, wouldn't it be nice to have multiple people? And then I thought, well, what about Fight Club? Because there were multiple personalities, and I don't know, I thought it was an interesting time. I thought it was interesting. Tell me I'm wrong. Mosbylearning at gmail.com. It's All the right. most interesting poem you've done. Thank on you. Thank the you. Podcast. Well. <laughs> That's, this is why I like doing podcasts on uh, Hyperbolic Hump Day. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, now now let's let's jump into kind of the big topic of the day. Unless I'm missing something uh, previously that you guys wanted to touch on. Anything from the show notes before we move on? Because we're just, we're going to speed to a finish after we get into this. No, I'm good. I got a couple things on uh, on the virtuals. Okay, good. So The co-pilot. So the, the the topic in general is, and again, we're trying to flesh out really the the nooks and crannies of virtual training of webinars. Um, there are probably a few different names that you might have for it, but the idea of uh, you know giving information to people that aren't in the room with you, they're somewhere else and they're listening to you live, presumably, um, unless you're a zombie. But so so what ex- what experiences? Do you have, I'm going to, I'm going to pitch to our guest for the day. Uh, Eli, what experiences do you have having a co-host do webinars with? My first virtual trainings I ever did were co-hosted. I was paired with uh, another trainer. Uh, We were, I was working for a contractor. We were training um, call center agents who all worked remotely from their home. Right. Um, That didn't really go that well. Um, (laughs) But so I'm, we're in a, a broadcast room, and I've never trained with this person. You know, we're both brand new. Uh, we learn this material, and you go train it to these folks. And uh, I'd never trained virtually before, and uh, it was an interesting experience. And it was nice to have someone else with you because with never had training virtually, uh, I didn't know what I was doing. And you learn by seeing someone else do it too. So I was able to see, okay, they're doing this. This is working. This is not working. So I can immediately adapt to that. And we would kind of throw it back and forth, mm. um, team teach it. So that helped us out. We, you know, it brought our learning curve up cause, cause she had never done it either. And, um, so we really brought our learning curve up very quickly. So you were co-hosting with somebody the first time you did it, you, you had no experience and your co-host also had no experience. Only the training that we had, like the three weeks of training we had going into the project. Wow. Did you guys have experience with virtuals up to that point? I had that, I'd never done virtual training. I had the, had your partner? Everything I had ever done was in a classroom. Wow. Okay. Amazing. Very limited experience she had. Wow. That's interesting. That's interesting. It was Adam, uh, it was trial by fire, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, Adam, what, uh, what you've done virtual sessions. I know this for a fact. Have you had the luxury of having uh, a partner with them, a co-host? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, majority of the time I'll try to have a co-host if, if possible, even a passive co-host. So I'll even grab somebody just because it stresses me out. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, I've witnessed that. Before. Yeah. So, you know, I look at it as I like, I'll even grab somebody, you know, just 
hey, you come sit here and co-host with me. Just even sit there and run the chat line. Make sure you can hear me. You know, I kind of go through a mental checklist of trying to not do the mess ups, mostly because I've done the mess ups in the past. Right. I, I think you hit on it last mm-hmm. week. I think you said it last week, a couple of weeks ago, you know, starting a starting a webinar not turning your microphone on or not oh, being God, able to yeah. hear you or you're just jittery because there there's there's other things so having that other person to me kind of calls calms my nerves before i get on it um and yep. they can do some of that technical stuff that if it's not right technically it's gonna go really bad for me um when i get on a virtual so i always try to have somebody even if they're not doing anything besides just being there yeah, it's 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 a bit of a safety net, isn't it? It's it's and you know sometimes you got to fly without a safety net, but it's a hell of a lot nicer to have one when you can. Yep, that's for sure. Yeah, so I've had uh, I've had the privilege of, you know, because most folks are probably aware of it at this point. I am usually the pretty face on things and and may not have all the uh, all the details in particular so a lot of times what i've had is i've had the uh, privilege of presenting the majority of the information but having a uh, a subject matter expert on the line to kind of partner and, and handle the tough questions you know and i know especially as as, as i've learned material the, the earlier few sessions when i i don't even know what questions i should expect that's been very helpful um but then as I get better and you go through, you kind of see the questions coming, you know, better how to present the material to uh, prevent those same sort of questions to come in, uh, you know, preempt them, if you will. But uh, but but that's always been kind of fun. I think one of the things that I've had probably the most fun with was working with Gibbs when we did uh, we did those kind of the, the double video sessions. You know, I think that there's a lot to that. And we would pass off. It sounds like you guys, uh, Eli, would do something similar. You know, one takes point and then the other takes point. We would kind of pass off back and forth a little bit or, or we would have pieces that we would both prefer to present um, that that's able to kind of uh, allow you to stick to your strengths, maybe without having to to stumble too much and to still keep a good polish on the presentation. You know, if you didn't have the, the privilege of learning the material beforehand, it's nice to lean on somebody else that did. Um, so Eli, you have told me before when we've talked about this, like at lunch and stuff that you've, you, you guys have even kind of incorporated certain or you know, previously. And when, when you first started on to, you kind of had like almost characters that you would use. Does that, does that sound at all familiar? Or, 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 oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we use characters uh, that bring it in. There are some people that did it more than others. Yeah, um, like there was a guy that brought the hell the, the helicopter, you know, beat on his chest. Radio six here, hovering over. Like he'd bring it in. Yeah. Some people use green screens. I like the company that we were contracted with was all about it. Like whatever you did, whatever you could do to bring the uh, really to bring the the folks in yeah. uh, because it was you know all day new hire for th- two weeks Ooh, right virtually um, virtual virtually that's, that's tough everybody and, and the people we were training were in their homes right yeah um so you were trying to keep them engaged right yeah, so they got jerry springer um, on for sure oh it was a clown so show did you get to, it, it, um, it, it, it just <laughs> take a step back there so they're in their homes you're with a partner and do you have a camera on them no. no cameras. It, it, we we would every once in a while say, "Hey, you know what? So and so, why don't you come up on camera and answer this question?" Okay. Right? And I mean, what what do you do if they don't? You you can't. I Nothing. Mean, the, the other thing was this was this was my first time I had gone from training, um, like 
professional salespeople, right? Right. To training entry level call center folks, right? Yeah. So oh, Jerry my Springer head was, was totally okay. Up. All these, all these people need to pass. All these people need, you know, we need to hold these people to a high standard, uh, or else they can't do the job. Where I had to have a, have a talk with my supervisor. I'm like, hey, like, what's the goal here? Just kind of like get as many of these people across the finish line as I can and not worry about the stragglers. Like, mm. what do we do? And like, I, that was a real mind shift for me as to uh, trying to, to get my head around not only training virtually for the first time, but also training this different type of learner slash worker that right. I hadn't worked with before that didn't have that carrot of uh, being able to make a ton of money. Right, yeah. um, and I had to try and you know it was a it was a it was a different uh, experience that's for sure. I was glad mortgages came back. <laughs> so you did voices, um, and then you would call them out here and there. Were you guys on camera? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you guys were on camera. Both- we would go on camera here and there, okay. um, but um, you know this was also at a point where that was you know really, and this was 2010. So yeah, that's early like, days of the technology. Not everybody had high speed internet. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it was, yeah. you, you know, we used what we, the, the platform we were using was, was pretty solid. Um, but not everybody like we were talking to had the bandwidth to go with the camera back at us and things like that. So, and so what was a lot of the training, just so I can get some context here. So was a lot of the training, was it system training, like technical training, or was it like customer service training? Like what, what it was it? Pr- a product? Pro- okay. Troubleshooting. Wow. Um, product troubleshooting, uh, how to log the phone, the phone calls and then customer service. Wow. Two weeks. It's kind of like four legs of the stool. That sounds horrible. I'm sure it was good though. It was, uh, it, it was alert. I, Hey, I'm a better person for having done it. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't seek that back out again. Yeah. Yeah. So what are the things but that also I think. On you- the- Go ahead. Oh, and the team teaching thing I've also done now back in, in a different uh, learning atmosphere, right, where we've got a, a, a hot training where we've got a lot of people signing up for it. Like that training starts to tip over 45 registrants, you know, 50 plus. That's where you start looking for someone to, hey, can you help manage chat? Because I know this is going to be full of questions. Mm-hmm. And then we've done that a couple different ways where someone either answers the questions flat out in chat or what we oh. would have what we've done really successfully lately is we kind of hit transition points and open it up as like a dialogue between me and the other trainer or the other trainer and I, like whoever's proctoring, whatever, uh, where we kind of, Hey, we got some good questions here. And then we kind of bring it up. We discuss the questions out loud and we can actually bring the person up say, Hey, Sam, you had this question on, uh, what widgets, uh, you want to come up and, and ask the question. You probably didn't get it right. Like it's, you bring up all the details of the question, kind of ask that question out loud in, in the, in the, points and it, it worked with the triangle right of the two trainers and the person uh that's worked really well in helping uh solidify those points so so you're saying you would bring up so sam in that scenario was the attendee who asked the question yep. in chat that the proctor your co-host saw and brought it forward then you guys would would not i don't want to say single out sam but you'd, you'd call sam out and say hey do you want to come on mike and discuss this a little bit yeah, if it had more layers to it than just yeah. a simple question, 
like, uh, hey, what color is the sky? Blue. We don't yeah. need to bring Sam on, right? Yeah. But if Sam's asking, what are the different types of clouds and what do these clouds mean? And then you talk about cumulus, it and you kind of, yeah. well, this is what this study kind of, yeah, cumulus. Yeah. <laughs> that's the uh, only one I know. It's the only one I know. No, that's the only one I know. That's actually a head, which really isn't a thing. But Yeah, no, that's a really good idea. I haven't really seen that done in the long form webinars because a lot of times we, you know, people take the easier way out, right? They, they'll just take the question and say, oh, well, you know, Eli had this question and let's talk about it, but they don't bring that person actually into the conversation. Um, that's actually a well, really good ask, point. Can I ask what tool you guys use to facilitate uh, virtuals? Uh, we've done it in WebEx and we've done it in um, the Saba meeting. So are you? I've never never heard of that one. Saba. Okay. Um, I, I've um, you have to have good control of the tech, or, or either or there is significant trust of the person to mute and unmute appropriately, and to still well still be there. Oh but, yeah. So um, have you had any sort of technical hiccups with that? Yeah, I mean, sometimes the person you know doesn't come in, and and you just go, okay, well, looks like uh, well, we'll just kind of move on, and then you just you just give them, you give it a certain amount of time to see if they want to come up. Um, you also got to gauge how much time you have left to get the material done. I mean, yeah. that class that, that in particular um, runs tight at that, and you know it it it, it can go wire to wire. Yeah. Um, especially when you have that many people, so you got to be like, okay, like if I have the time, we'll do it. If not, we'll kind of move on. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely that class in particular. We've probably gotten the most feedback um, about <laughs> and uh, positive feedback about um, altogether both the content, how it's delivered. Um, yeah. So, and uh, the, yeah. I was just going to let you fizzle out there before I jumped in. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah. <laughs> you mentioned the uh, the proctor role. So I, I, th- I think we've all kind of seen that. I just want to make sure we're on the same page. So a proctor role there, somebody that kind of watches a chat line, supports somebody with uh, maybe tech, if there's a tech issue, so that you could still carry on the show and, and cater to the other, you know, 98% of the room. Is that is that about right? Yeah. Uh, and I, it's to this day, it, this, it still baffles me. Like we, I heard you guys talk about last week about the amount of people that don't know how to mute their phone line. <sighs> right. That you're on a webinar. Salespeople especially. Yeah. Um, and the other and the yeah. other thing that drives me crazy is the people that email or call the trainer that they can't get into the training session after the training <laughs> session has started. Yeah. And yeah. then your IMs coming up, uh, you know, your yeah. instant messenger. Hey, can, I can't get in. Hello. Hello. You might as well interrupt. Like, yeah. yeah. The train has left the station. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and then you get back to it two hours later. It's like, well, sorry we missed you. Uh, here's the link for the next session. Yeah. Um, I, you know, sometimes I feel like they I don't know, but I feel like they don't want to go and they just want to send an email because it's not going to be noticed. And they're like, well, I tried. I sent an email, you know, that's, you are 100 percent accurate. Yeah, that's well, there's then, no you know. there's that is not, not there's zero hyperbole in that. Yeah. <laughs> zero. There couldn't be less. Um, no. OK, so here's the thing. So the question is, why doesn't every session have a proctor or a co-host? And I think the easy answer is budget. Right, I don't think that. I think it's design. I, I, I would say right now, time and availability too. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's all um, budget, though, isn't it? Right, you had to have a second body. I mean, yeah, but like you know, if I've got a class that I've only got five people registered for, yeah, right, I've got a proctor there. Well, the proctor's not gonna like. It's gonna actually take away from my engagement with the rest of the class. Yeah. 
Hmm. So okay, I think so, once it hits a certain threshold, right? Like so, like I, you know. So there's a ratio that, 15, that has to be 20, considered. Yeah, I I think so. Okay, that's it. That's interesting. I never considered this as a ratio because I mean we talk about it yep. all the time for for school for our kids classes and that sort of stuff. Well, how many kids? Oh my God, there's eighty seven uh, kids in a class now. We talk um, in ILT also. I mean, there's ratios in ILT. You know, if you're if you have to train a group of forty to fifty, you it's generally good to have a secondary person there. Oh uh, sure, sure, but yeah, but. I've never, I don't remember ever talking about it as such. Like when your ratio is more than one to 20, then get somebody. Now, I've never heard that come up. Mm. I mean, I, I usually will say that to have somebody else. Yeah. Well, okay. So, so maybe, maybe it just hasn't been formalized. And, and then that's me just being a nerd saying, let's make a number out of something when it doesn't need to be. Right. I think it's yet. more by feel. Yeah. Um, in the class, in the, more by feel. in the type of yeah. class that you're doing, right? If you're doing a technical class yeah. where there's going to be questions, one person can't, you know, answer the questions. Yeah. No, you can't. You can't lead from the front and help from the back at the same time. Yeah. Show enough. Show enough. Okay. But cool. you know, one of the other things on the co-host that that I, I did want to mention that works pretty well is, you know. That co-host, even if they're just a passive kind of co-host that they're just doing the technical stuff or they're just starting, they're just going to literally zone out for the majority of it. They're just kind of there answering, you know, popping the questions over. What we found that's really nice too, though, is that person does start on camera and they're like, you know, mm-hmm. they're there is, hey, this is going to be Eli. He's going to be helping with questions. He may reach out to you if you have anything. There he is. And it's like, hey, how you doing? I'm Eli. Just, you know, I'll be in the background. And then if there is a question or that person needs to jump back in, they can turn back on their camera, but then they can turn their camera off and they can go, you know, kind of work on other things or be just that passive person there. But at least show them in the beginning that there's a person here. So it's not awkward if they're passing questions or they know where to go from an audience perspective. You know, I was doing that when when me and Gibbs were doing our thing. uh, I, I was doing that where I would turn my camera off and I can't remember if we ended with that format or we just kept them on at the end, I think we just kind of kept them on for both of us at the end. end. Yeah. But there, there was a while where I was turning them on and off and I, my intention was, okay, I turn my camera on when I have something that at least I thought was good enough to say out loud. Um, so I would turn my camera on as almost like a a visual cue to her, my co-host, uh, co-pilot, you know, that she could see that and maybe kind of work it in. But her view, the way that she had her screen set up and, and the, the various, um, you know, uh, apps on her screen, the camera view wasn't wasn't visible. So she wouldn't even see when I popped back. And my intention was. So I think there's a there's a big thing that may, maybe there's something about practice that's in there or, or rehearsing, um, which which I don't know that we ever actually did. We just kind of felt our way through and found it eventually, you know. Well, I think there if you're going to truly co-host with somebody. It takes some practice, right? Like, you know, I look at some of the presentations you and I have done, you know, each one in in specific presentations, right? Each one could have benefited from practice. Yeah, (laughs) we probably should have practiced instead (laughs) of just talked about things. But but at the end of the day, it got it got better because we knew where each other were going. I mean, you know, we have the one joke that people just find hilarious about yes. the thank you i mean that thing it kills you know it's like, another one yeah yeah and you know but the timing is is perfect in that in that environment and people love it in a you know an environment so 
it does take some practice. And I think that happened organically, though, didn't it? Did, I don't think we we planned that. No, we, we did not plan smart it. Asses but but it, and, just, we, it just kept going. And yeah, then every presentation, yeah. we did the same joke. And then it was just yeah. perfect. Uh, that went. Yeah. It's not really that even funny. Um <laughs> but the audience sure seemed to love it. But I think they practice did. takes, you know, to kind of go back yeah. to the whole thing about role playing and practicing. Yeah. A lot of people ultimately don't give practice enough to virtuals and they don't prep for them. They don't think about having a co-host. Oh, I just got it. And they don't really think about the things that can go wrong because they don't practice for it. And so they're not ready for when things do go wrong because they didn't. If, if, if they have a co-host, they didn't practice with the co-host to talk with them. If they have a, mm-hmm. a passive co-host, they didn't say, hey, here's what we do as our remediation plan. Or if they have a co-host where they're just going to talk back and forth, they never practice together. So then it, they're talking over each other the entire time. It, if if I have to be kind of the, the main dude at the helm and I have a co-host, I really need to understand that person's level of competence with the various tools that are going on in there. So, yeah, I, I would want to, uh, I you know, I don't think I've really had to co-host with people that I never had much of either a rapport with or an understanding of. But uh, I, I would at least want to have a couple sit downs to make sure that I, I, I am confident with their competence, because that's the thing, man. You, you crash and burn that those scars stay with you and, and you're 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 gun shy going forward, you know. P- training PS- PTSD. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right. Any uh, any final words of wisdom on uh, on virtual sessions presenting with the, uh, a co-host? Uh, you know, I think it's it's it definitely has its advantages of and it helps, like Adam said, um, give you a little bit. Said so at times, like if you know, I see the the attendance at like sixty to eighty people. I mean, I can handle it. I've done enough trainings where I can handle it. But man, does it make me feel better to know someone else there to kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, like be some training wheels. Yeah, I've also been the training wheels on someone who's training a class for the first time, and I've pulled their butt out of the fire. Yeah, you've been, been the hero. There. So, what, what did that story look like? I mean, without giving away all the details and and Ooh, uh, protecting was, uh, the innocent here, it was. Uh, <laughs> It was it was a rough one. Okay, fair the enough. The most recent one was pretty rough. Yeah. yeah, but you know what? That's 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 what you gotta have. It, it's so important, especially for those early sessions. You know, you need to have somebody that's able to very just they freaking glide in. They correct the language and and they put all the appropriate qualifiers on the thing that was just said completely incorrectly they they do not make a big deal of it and they just move right along and then of course you debrief afterwards yeah i think um i think that 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 mentorship role i don't know if we use that enough into in today's world maybe we do i think maybe it's just organization to organization you know and depends on the size of the team that sort of stuff but uh i think that that's important and gosh you know what that almost makes me want to if if there's if there's someone out there, okay, this is because I know that six people are going to listen to this and, and one of them's a trainer. But uh, if there's anybody out there that wants to kind of kibitz or bounce ideas off uh, off, of, off of me, at least, you know, uh, most, just email email Adam at mosbylearning <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> Thanks, man. Put me as the yeah, mentor. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate it. Well, no, because, you know, I really feel like there's sometimes people they 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 commit to something they commit to an idea they say yeah we can pull this off and then it's like oh shit i don't i don't know if i can do this but i just love being able to share the experiences that i've had and kind of the the scars here look at my scars because there's something else you know and i can tell you how i got each one of them and
and, and hopefully it prevents uh, somebody else from getting those scars too. Okay, well, um, let's uh, let's let's close this bad boy. Unless uh, there there may have been somebody that wanted to say something else. No, which is why, if you wanted to say something else, like I say, MosbyLearning at gmail.com. Show notes and uh, get your get your post-facto bingo card at uh, your Mosby Learning bingo card at mosby.ca slash 013. And again, uh, the, these things, there's there's things that go in the background. There's research, there's work there. So I want to thank, uh, again, one of our producers, Ty Roberts, for helping out with that. And um, uh, Eli, how do people get a hold of you should they want to? Or should you want them to? Well, uh, I, I've recently brushed up to some uh, arm twisting my LinkedIn account. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> You're as excited about your LinkedIn uh, but, account as but, I am about my Instagram account. Well, I'm excited about my Instagram. If you want to see some cool pictures of flies, big fish, uh, Great Lakes Fly on Instagram, uh, lots of cool stuff. Uh, real cool community, too. Uh, that's the one thing I've found, too, is that uh, the community I've kind of I'm in with the fly tying and the fly fishing thing is uh, is pretty cool, really supportive, and and we really pass around each other's stuff a lot and uh, learn a lot from each other. So that's pretty cool. It's a it's a you know it, a it, way it, it, to, uh, to to take my training thing out outside too, where I can kind of show off some stuff and teach people. Like I I send step by step photos of how I do certain things to people all over the place. Uh, kids wanting to get into it teenagers you know i gotta the only way that this the sport of fly fishing is going to grow is by bringing more people into it so i'm never going to turn somebody away when it comes to that oh for sure man for sure uh every one of them is a potential customer you know what i'm saying um and i've, I've actually had the privilege of kind of going to one of your fly tying uh, uh what, what do you call it a workshop they they call that one bar flies. Bar flies, uh, yeah, it was a class. That's right. It was a yeah. class where you teach a class in a bar when you're drinking beer and uh, everybody brings their yeah, everybody brings their gear, right? And they all kind of yeah stumble through it. Yeah, I sit around the table cool. and yeah, I teach them I teach them one of my patterns. Yeah, no, that's pretty badass. Uh, okay, well, uh, thank you uh, for joining us, uh, Eli. I appreciate that. It was a Adam, thank you. How do you want people to get a hold of you? Sure, either LinkedIn and Adam Costings or just my my name at Gmail. There you go. There you go. Adam you got my name at Gmail? <laughs> I my did. Name, oh, I, that was Adam a hard one to get over. <laughs> Adam Costings at Gmail. Uh, or you can hit us up just easier on Mosby Learning at Gmail. That's right. And and you uh, you are the uh, the man behind the curtain of our Twitter account, yeah? I am. I am. We're still at one follower. Okay. Uh, I can't help you there, but if you give that handle out, we might get some more. So uh, is it just at most... At Mosby Learning. At that's Mosby easy enough. Learning. Yes, it is. And Man, I don't know how you got that one. That's uh, that's that was another tough get. It was. All right. I hear. I hear. If you tweet storm at like four o'clock in the morning, the news follows it pretty well. Tweeting <laughs> nonstop. So um, it's actually, as I mentioned before we got started, it's actually quite fun. I've been tweeting all sorts of different things. So yeah, very cool. uh, we just need a couple followers up there. There you go. And uh, while well, you can follow me, if you want to, uh, Dan Talks Training on Instagram for some damn reason. And uh, and on LinkedIn, of course, uh, Dan Hurt, H-I-R-T. Uh, music for this episode is brought to you, of course, by Incompetech. And uh, Kevin McLeod always puts these things together. You're listening to The Show Must Be Go right now. And there's some weird parts in that song, but I like the weird sometimes. So if you want more weird, join us next week for episode 14. And who knows who's going to host it, but I really hope you're going to listen. Thanks again, folks, and take care.
last week about the amount of people that don't know how to move their fucking salespeople especially. <laughs> but don't think about it, right? How much would it cost to go to this Green Actors Guild, grab a couple people that are actors, and literally do a live where they're actors in front of you? You can probably pick up some guys for 500 bucks a day. If if I have to be kind of the, the main dude at the helm and I have a co-host, I really need to understand that person's level of competence with the various that are going on in there. So yeah, I don't think I've really had to with people that I never had much of either a rapport with or an understanding of, but uh, I would at least want to have a couple of to make sure that I, I, I am confident with their competence, because that's the thing, man. If you crash and burn, that those scars stay with you, and, and you're, you're, you're gun-shy going forward, you know?